Welcome to the Drew Welch Project. And we are back. This week, we have a man on that needs no introduction, but I'm going to give it to him anyways. He is the man that broke the Chan Gailey godfather news about Justin Herbert. He is the man that caused COVID by yelling Tua in a half-empty mall and regrets nothing. The host of Fins or Die podcast, Sorty. How are you doing today, Sorty? I am doing amazing. Love the intro. Uh, I don't regret causing COVID, and thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. It's been a little bit since I've been on a show. Um, I've been chilling. And, uh, yeah, I'm ready to talk NFL, Dolphins, and everything in between. Sounds good. Uh, let's see how many more Google hits we can get on that Chan Gailey thing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I want to get a couple more catches there. I'm going to have to uh, start tweeting about that a little bit more. Yeah. All right. So first thing we had on the docket is uh, Pat Mahomes and the absurd checks he is fixing to cash. The largest contract in sports history, $500 million. If you had $500 million, what is the first thing you would end up doing? Okay, 500 mil right in the bank straight away. First thing I'm buying, don't get me wrong, I like Lambos and Ferraris, but I don't think I would go for the sport like the sports car route right away. I live in New Jersey, so I would probably buy the house that they filmed The Sopranos in, to be honest, in <laughs> North Caldwell, I believe. I think that would be the first purchase because that's just like – like that'd be the first like fuck you purchase. Get the Soprano house. You're living large. That's it. Hundred percent. The first. That's the first one. I love it. That that is a true power move. The only definitely the only stronger power move I can think of, and it doesn't really involve money. What would be if you TP'd somebody's house about two and a half months ago? <laughs> definitely. So I'm thinking five hundred million dollars. There's so I, I mean that that contract is just absurd, and yet oh yeah worth every penny of it for now it's definitely worth every penny um let's face it mahomes is a freak i respect him because he's obviously the best qb in the nfl right now i'm not going to sit here and say he's not but one of my best friends is a chiefs fan so i have that like side hatred for the chiefs <laughs> and mahomes now you know it's like that friendly rivalry type thing so i see Mah home signs a 10-year deal i'm like are you kidding me bro like they really found a way to lock him up for 10 years but with that being said i know that these contracts in the nfl they tend to have like those those couple years where you could restructure or have a potential out and i'm i don't really know too well if this contract has that but i'm sure that there's some year where they're going to renegotiate or something like that because the NFL salary cap is probably going to be updated in two years when they negotiate the new CBA, I'm pretty sure, if that if that's right in the timeline. Uh, actually, CBA is good for a decade. Oh, they, they re- uh, They re-signed this past offseason, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So we're set, so they're set then. Yeah, so they're, they're set for 10 years. But with that said, I guess the way money works out, with the salary cap and how much you bring in, it could be affected. The salary cap can go down. 
And with everything going on this year, that is a distinct possibility. So they could get to next year and have that big fat Mahomes contract. Uh, Chris Jones is probably out the door, I would think. He's gone. So, I mean, and they're going to have a problem paying anybody else at this point. So that is the one silver lining I think I could see uh, from the Dolphins fan side. If I was a KC fan, I'd I'd be thrilled. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Dolphins fans, we've got four QBs, and I think all combined, less than 12 mil. Which is a beautiful – that's so beautiful that we're not that we're not paying an exorbitant amount of money at the QB possession because that just leaves us with so much money to fill all different holes on a team. And one thing I want to clear up is that I just completely blanked on a new CBA. I knew this happened because we were, we were all talking about it a couple months ago. It's just the fact that COVID has completely shit on my sense of time and perception. Well, you um, thought it. Well, with that said, it probably feels like it was eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I probably thought there was a new CBA coming up, a uh, CBA agreement. But of course, you know the new the new seventeen game thing, all that. It's all my memory is being jogged again. So I just wanted to clear the air there. But, <laughs> Not um, a problem. But uh, with the Mahomes contract, it is interesting because. They like like you said, they're committing a lot of money to him now every year for the next what, ten, twelve years. I'm pretty sure the ten years got tacked on to the two that's already on his contract, right? So it's yep. twelve years total now. Yep. Which is absurd. It, that's absurd to me. And don't get me wrong, if I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm happy because it locks up our franchise QB. But I would say there's something in the back of my mind that's like, listen, Mahomes did have that, like, he has, like, that weird knee thing, you know, with, like, the dislocated knee, and I, I know he healed it very quickly, but it it does give me a little bit of pause, and I want to sit back and just be like, you know, I mean, you never know if, it, if that knee gets screwed up somehow, they owe him a shit ton of money, but you know what? $140 million guaranteed. Yeah. For in, that, for injury. That's, that's a lot. Um, so but with he, that being said... In the NFL, you got to take chances, and they took a chance. Well, they, they know they're locked in now. They've got him for half of his his lifespan at this point, right? He's 22, 23, whatever he is. <laughs> Somebody, I'm sure some Chief fan will listen and be like, oh, he's 25, 25 years old. How do you not know that? Well, I don't yeah. know <laughs> every player. I don't. But, uh, you know, half his lifespan is 12 years. So, essentially, got him under contract for 50% of his lifespan. He'll hit free agency at like 32, 33, or wherever that's at. So, and I'm sure if he's still going the way that he's going, they'll lock him back up. If yeah. not, you never know. Injuries, how many injuries does it take, you know? And I, I think that may have been part of why Mahomes took the more money now is, okay, you walk out week one of this season and uh, get hit like Alex Smith did, mm-hmm. you know, it's over. 100%. But now he's got $140 million if that happens. So yeah. you take a little bit more of a team-friendly contract because you're, and the team took care of you because they didn't wait to bid till right at the end, which is something the Dolphins have gotten really good at is these front-loaded contracts so that if it doesn't work out, they can just walk away. Yeah, we have been so great at those front-loaded contracts, and it's it's nice to see that we're past the point of like, the Mike Wallace and the Dominican Sue contracts where they're owed like 22 million in like the third or fourth year with, we're just doing the right things for once. And it's amazing. Like contractually, 
with our coaching, with Greer as GM, even even Ross as an owner with all the charity initiatives that he's been doing. Like we're finally doing the right thing on every single tier of the organization. And it's just awesome to see. So and um yeah. So think about this, right? If they made a mistake at cornerback, they've got two of the highest contracts for cornerbacks in history. Yep. The way they're laid out, even if they screwed up both those contracts, they can walk away in two years. That is insane. It's great. It's great. (laughs) And I don't think that they're going to be, I don't think that we're going to screw up too hard there. It's, it's tough because the whole Xavier Howard situation I know he's not getting suspended this year by the NFL, which is good. But X X did injure his knee again at the end of last year, and people forget that. He's, you know, he, these guys with the knee injuries really concern me. But I think X is a freak, and he's been through this a couple times, so I think I think we'll be okay in that regard. And Byron Byron Jones is an animal. I, I think I think his contract will, at the end of it, will have proven that we made uh, the right signing, and he'll shore up that side of the defense for us. Well, the other thing we know, too, is as far as that, the Xavier Howard knee injury, is they put a lot of guys on IR last year that I don't know if they would have in a different situation. They kind of had already decided, let's yeah. see what we got and what we can work out. They, now, with that said, it's obviously been proven. They weren't trying to lose. But I think part of it was they were trying to make a point. I'll take somebody else, and I'll take a Nick Needham and I'll develop them, and I'm not going to put up with Divas. I, mean, I think so, too. And to add on to that, I am in the same boat as you, that when X went on IR, I was like, whoa, whoa, like, we're definitely doing this for the tank, right? That It seemed like that was the reason at the time. And then a couple months go on, and I see a video of Xavier Howard at the courthouse, and he's um, – I don't know what the terminology is. I guess he's defending himself or just there for his sentencing, whatever, with the uh, domestic assault situation. And he's on crutches, and he's, like, walking in and out on crutches with a pretty bad limp. So I don't I don't think it was a conspiracy there of us trying to tank. I think he was actually, like, pretty fucked up there, you know? But the, the knee injuries, like, especially in 2020, torn ACLs in the past used to be something that could be career killers and knee injuries could be just decimating careers. And now we don't really get that anymore. So I'm cautiously optimistic, with that being said, with X moving forward. Yep, and I mean, the the nice thing is we've got the depth there too. I mean, the Dolphins have done a great job at adding depth at all positions, so I'm I'm really excited moving in. One thing I think everybody's excited about, and I ate a little bit of crow on myself, and I don't mind eating the crow. (laughs) I'm happy to eat the crow is our new quarterback, Tua Tunga Bailoa. Yeah, baby. And I actually nailed it. <laughs> it was beautiful. You pronounced that amazingly. Ah, I couldn't do it three times in a row, I'll guarantee you. But <laughs> I'll take the once. How thrilled were you with that draft pick? I mean, I can't really put it into words because there was a video floating around. I mean, I put the video up now that it was floating around of my post-draft reaction when we drafted Tua and I'm just watching a draft with my girlfriend and I'm just, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs because it was just like, I can't believe that for once in Dolphins fans lives, I feel like other than our Super Bowl wins in the past, so on and so forth. Do we were talking about Tua for, for the diehard Tua guys 
since the draft last year, like the day after we drafted Wilkins, right? And every single thing worked out in our favor. So we landed Tua, whether it came down to the games that we won and we lost to get to the fifth overall pick, Tua, um, Tua obviously having the hip injury, which caused him to slide in a draft. Like everything just worked so perfectly that when we picked Tua, like I just had to scream at the top of my lungs, bro. Like I think I think he I always thought he was the guy. I've, I obviously think he's the guy now that's going to take us to the next upper echelon of the NFL and hopefully move the needle and uh, get us to be a team that competes for Super Bowls year in and year out like an Aaron Rodgers. And honestly, there's not really much more I could say about that. The guy, the kid's a freak. That's pretty much it. But I kind of want to hear your perspective on it because I know you were a little more skeptical uh, from what I recall during the season and your perspective on us drafting him. One of my big things was everything they went through to just to basically tear apart that roster, which I think had to happen. Gase had built a, a roster and just ruined it with prima donnas. There's no way. And I know Gase wasn't technically the general manager, but he had the right per his contract to make every call on a player, which is why guys like Jordan Phillips ended up walking out the door for nothing because everybody knew Gase will just cut him anyways. So unless you're going to offer him a seventh, you're going get, to get him on the street regardless. So that was kind of where I was at is the roster had been ripped down, and I just didn't all that talk about trading up all these spots for Tua and th- those type things were a lot of what made me nervous. Part of me too, I think is, uh, you know, 20 years, uh, the same stuff, you know, it, it's been that way since Marino left. I don't think you want to get your hopes up too much either. Yeah. So I, I think that may have been in the back of my head too, is I'm not going to time it because anything could have up until the point we drafted him, anything could have happened. Oh, of course. And, and any one of those things happens, you know, th- those that had kept the faith, like yourself, you know, after that hip injury, two weeks later, we're like, we're still drafting to it. I'm like, I mean, can we make sure he's healthy first? And I, I totally respect the faith everybody had now, you know, and I, I respected it then, you know, to each their own. But, you know, I've, I've always been yeah. one to shoot straight with my opinion. Personally, I respect it. I know some other people in the Dolphins fan base may have been giving you shit at the time, but like anybody who was skeptical of the hip injury, I totally understood because it, it was, you know, at the time it was a devastating injury. I'm not going to sit here and just be an asshole. That's like overly optimistic, you know, like I analyze the situation. I look at all the facts, everything, and kind of put the whole picture together. I agree. And the risk reward there, I think was perfect. They used one mm-hmm. pick, you know, it was a, they're, they're top five picks. So, I mean, they still used a heavy pick, but they only used one. Uh, was one of the things I was happy about. Another thing that was kind of fun was all the people who don't really follow me but kind of hate me. You know, as soon as I turn, changed my picture to Tua because I uh, lost a bet with Brian Meinhardt on it, were ripping into me, going nuts. And I'm like, they're like, <laughs> see, you sold out so quick. I was like, well, for one, I'm a Dolphins fan. So once he's on the team, he's on the team. Of course. But two, the reason I changed my – my pick was because because I lost a bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think I got blocked by a few people after laughing at them about that. And it, it was hey, funny. I'm probably blocked by a couple people too, so we're all in the same boat. Yeah. I mean, to me, I'm, I don't really block. I may have two or three, like, complete psychopaths blocked. Usually even them yep. I take off after a little bit. But, uh, yeah, uh, I agree. I, I'll mute a few people, especially here lately, you know, with 
politics and stuff, I'll, I'll mute people for a little while and then take them back off <laughs> mute when they on up. I can't help. Yeah. I hope you don't have me muted. I've no, been a little political lately, but I'm trying to stop. But it's so hard. There's nothing else to talk about right now. So you end up exactly. falling back into the trap. You know, exactly. I think we all kind of feel that way. I'm like, I'm not going to talk about politics ever again on Twitter. And then somebody tweets something, and you're like, oh. And then when dude, you're right back at it, and then you're looking at it, and you're like, it happened for, again. Dude, for me, it's like, it's like I don't want to talk about politics. And I, I, tweeted, I tweeted earlier today. It was, I said, like, uh, I said, like, I came here for Dolphins memes, and now I'm being called a Nazi. Like, that was just, like, a stupid joke. But it's, it's funny because I try – I'm really trying to stop talking politics and getting into the whole left-right uh, logical – like logic versus reason, all that debate shit. And then I see Deshaun Jackson is posting quotes from Hitler. I'm like, am I not going to comment on this? You know, like this is just – is the world this upside down? All right, little – we're going to give you a little life hack here, and I'm sure Sorty's going to agree with me. If you agree with Hitler, you may want to reexamine your opinion. Just yep, probably put, not a good put move. Put it out there. Yeah, I mean, just right off the bat, anyone who has committed a mass genocide, anyone at all. <laughs> Don't follow them, and especially if they're fake quotes, because they weren't even real quotes. Are you aware of that? Yeah, I, I saw that. I, as I've looked at it a little more, because the one thing I will give him is he actually came out and really apologized. I didn't think he, he did. would. He actually owned it and apologized. And to me, I, I have more respect for that than the guys who talk around it. Because you see a lot of that where, okay, I made a mistake. Uh, I only have love, like, like his initial response, you know, I only have love in my heart. And then they never want to talk about it again. He actually came out and said, okay, I completely, I messed up. So th th that kind of makes a difference. That tells me maybe he didn't think through what he was doing at the yeah. time. Or he got caught and he just gave up. But at least he apologized. That's more than most. And he's... He Supposedly supposed to be meeting with a rabbi and some stuff to get a greater understanding, which is good. I, th I, I think so, too. And I do commend him for apologizing. And with that being said, like, I think DJX is just misguided. And I don't know. I don't know if you're a conspiracy theorist, dude, or not. But I'm just going to come out and say it. I personally think that there's definitely people behind the scenes that are running that are running the world. And we don't know who they are. And I think DJX was talking like, like, I think he's just like thinking in regards to that larger, like larger uh, scheme of things. Like there's, there are things going on behind the scene and like, think about it, dude. Like there's a left and a right. There's, there's no way everyone could fall under one umbrella on each side, you know? Yeah. And I think DJX was really talking more in that perspective. Like, listen, we're being manipulated the media is like promoting things to rile up people and cause division. He just happened to post a fake Hitler quote, you know, that's not good as well. And it went, it, it went, it went crazy. And do I think he should lose his job? I don't because I don't think anybody should lose their job. I'm a huge proponent of freedom of speech and everything that comes with that. And I hate cancel culture. And I guess, you know, we'll just, we'll see what happens with the D Jack story from there. Yes, the, I, I agree with you 100%. I am 100% freedom of speech. People have the rights to be idiots. For those that may, I don't know, have shut off everything for a while, and we don't blame you and just happen to be listening to this, uh, first off, we thank you for listening to this because, well, we suck, but it's fun. <laughs> um, but second of all, uh, so 
DJX, Philadelphia wide receiver, Sean Jackson, decided to post a Hitler quote on his Instagram page. It was not an actual Hitler quote, but it was still a picture with Hitler as Hitler saying it. So as you can imagine, if you haven't heard about this, it got some people riled up. But that's where we're at. He went out. He initially made a half-hearted, I only have love in my heart announcement. But about 24 hours later, he came out and said the full-blown, I'm, I'm sorry. I need to learn more. Uh, it was out of ignorance. It wasn't intended the way it was meant. And he apologized. So to me, freedom of speech means people are allowed to be idiots. And it also means, and just in general, People make mistakes, give them another chance, especially when it's something rented, uh, said, or posted. Because you, sometimes you post things and don't think about them just because you think it's funny and don't read the whole thing. And I think yeah. a lot of that happens, and then the media gets a hold of it and spins it completely out of control. With that said, it was a fake Hitler yeah. quote. He thought it was from Hitler. I, the, <laughs> Which is not good either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think Hitler said this. I should share that. No. Never. Yeah, not good. Who, who's the other one? Mussolini killed a bunch of yeah, people. Mussolini's yeah, Mussolini's another one. There, yeah, there's a couple. We could, there's a, we could we could rattle Stalin? a couple, but we could leave it to that. Yeah. Yeah. Stalin. Yeah. Just no. If they committed mass genocide, probably not the best. Yeah. You know, fake Abraham Lincoln quotes. Those tend to be fun. Yeah, those are normally pretty good. Yeah. Don't believe everything you uh, read on the internet, Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to some actual football talk. So the Pats have signed Cam Newton, and he showed up in – A clown a, outfit. Was it a clown outfit, or was, a, was it like a ref outfit that he bedazzled? I think just Cam Newton is perpetually is dressed like a clown, but that's, you know, that's just my opinion. Like the hat, like the curious George type hats and stuff that he wears aren't really my style. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't go around wearing those. But you know, to each his own. I guess if you have the money that Cam Newton has, you get bored of wearing $10 t shirts from JCPenney like I buy and Levi's jeans, and you just keep going crazier and crazier until you're wearing top hats and mismatching shirts and pants. Well, it's got to be kind of interesting to go shopping with him, you know? Hey, what do, you, what do you think of that? Oh, no, that's way too bland. I need to go to the <laughs> – I don't want the women's section, but I don't want the men's section. We got to get a nice, a nice mix of both. Yes. I, I want to look like I – can't, I can't think who uh, Larry Johnson used to – grandmama. Yep, like a babushka. Ma- yeah, but masculine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, jacked as fuck. Don't get me wrong. But still. I think- yeah, so – we got Cam as a Patriot, you know. It's pretty weird that he's going to be the presumed starting QB of the Patriots. I didn't think I didn't think Belichick was going to go that way, to be honest. Well, I think they got him on a contract that kind of is team-friendly enough that if Belichick doesn't feel like he's doing what he needs to do, they can cut him and not really regret it as part yeah. of it. I think he's taking a discount because he wants to go to the Pats. But – my biggest thing is I hate the fact that they got to try to draw up an, a defense for him week one, not knowing how the Pats are going to use him. Or really, you don't even know who the real starter is going to be because Belichick never shows his hand until the last minute. 
That's so true. I mean, to be honest, man, Cam, like what Cam Newton has a base salary of 1.05 mil, right? That's the minimum for that's the minimum that he would make right now for his like experience. And that that's pretty much backup QB money, dude. You know, don't get me wrong. He has like incentives built in his contract. I think he could earn like an additional six million or something like pending playing time and stuff. But that there's a real chance that Cam Newton is the backup QB for the Patriots. Stidham's a starter. Like there, there's a world where that is the reality. Yep. And they have to look at both sides of that because you are correct because he is going to make less with all his incentives. If he hits all his incentives, he makes less than Fitzpatrick this year. So they, and they also have Brian Horror on their roster as well. So when you look at that, you've got three possible guys they could be starting, and you may not know which one till week one. And for the other two, the defense you draw up versus what you've got to do against Cam Newton is completely different. And I, I think that's where it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. I'm going to say, call, calling it right now, right? Belichick was watching the playoffs as a whole. He saw what Lamar Jackson did all season. And, in, you know, even in the playoffs, if Lamar Jackson didn't do great, he saw what his legs could do. He watched Taysom Hill be used as a gadget in the Saints offense. And Belichick, he's looking at Cam Newton, sitting on the sidelines, just training. The draft has gone by. The Patriots didn't draft any notable QBs. And Belichick's just thinking in his head, looking at the playbook, like, you know what? I could use this guy. And while he may not be my starter, I could use him in a number of ways for different formations, for goal line formations. He alone, with that further ability that Cam Newton has, that might be worth, like, maybe two to three wins for for the season. And that might be the difference between making the playoffs and not making them, you know? Oh, absolutely. Patriots offensive coordinator... Josh McDaniels. McDaniels. Well, remember he when he went to Denver, some somebody else brought this up. I think it was Kyle Krabs on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. When he went to Denver, what's the first thing he drafted? Tebow, athletic QB. Yep. So maybe he's been wanting to do this for a while. So that that may have played into it. Then, if you watch the draft, we know that uh, Belichick's dog is involved in the personnel decisions. <laughs> so. Yep. I love that, that dog. I hate Belichick, but I love that dog. Yeah, that that was funny. I don't care. You know, he may be the devil, but that was funny. Yeah. But speaking of the devil, let's uh, roll back a little bit to our former coach, Adam Gase. So his offense was so bad last year that he gave Sam Darnold mono just from the <laughs> offense and then also made him see ghosts. Is it possible that without exposure, Gase's offense is going to be so bad that Sam Darnold gets COVID? I think it's entirely possible. Listen, I could I could see Sam Darnold just being so distraught after practice. He completely sucked. He might get he might get benched for the next guy up. He's just walking through the parking lot, and just so happens there's just COVID in the air, and he just he uh, he contracts it, and that's pretty much it. You know, just. Yeah. The, the, the negativity around the Jets franchise as a whole and is just so bad that I could I could see that kind of thing happening to Sam Darnold and the Jets as a whole. 
Yeah, just the attitude would like attract the COVIDness to them. Yep. <laughs> with, and I'm with sure that they don't said, wear masks. Uh, agreed. With that said, we are not actually wishing COVID on anyone. Uh, if you're if you're <laughs> freaking out and getting offended, you downloaded the podcast. We appreciate it, but you don't have to keep listening. It's a joke. We're just trying to relax and have some fun. We yep. suggest you do the same. Sorry, I just wanted to get that out there in case Karen listens. But uh, <laughs> good call. Uh, we don't want to get sued, you know, because any yeah. or, or canceled. I don't want to get canceled. Yeah, well, I'm trying not to get canceled. So yeah, that that that, that would be awesome. I the, I'm on the, the verge. Would miss I'm, us. Yeah, I'm definitely on the verge. So not getting canceled would be great, but you know, people know it's lighthearted fun. With that being said, I mean, listen, Darnold. Got mono from some Jersey Shore chicks, from what I heard. So I I don't think this guy's wearing a mask. He doesn't really have good judgment, you know. I'm gonna be honest. I could I could see week two or week three, Sam Darnold has tested positive for COVID. And they try to trace it back and can find nothing. Yep, <laughs> mysteriously found. He catches it in the middle of get, catching the hike. Maybe a ghost gives it to him. Honestly, he, hey, crazier things have happened. <laughs> and we know he does see them so yes you know who shouldn't hopefully see ghosts is the dolphins qb with the new o-line uh, but it's going to be interesting to see them kind of meld together and with everything going on this year and the late start i'm wondering how that's going to play out for the o-line it's uh it's going to be questionable in my opinion because so so what are they doing right now Virt like virtual training camp type thing yeah like, we're in early july this is around a time when the teams start getting together and doing like otas and stuff normally from what i remember so so they're not really together and obviously in your if you're an offensive lineman you're standing pretty close to the dudes next to you and it's important to kind of like you know like when, when these guys are standing on the offensive line they physically have to be foot to foot next to each other and kind of support each other as the wall for the QB, whether it's Fitzpatrick or Tua. So I'm really curious to see how practices are going to go when the team does get together and like they have to kind of do the six feet apart thing. And it, like going off of that is interesting because somebody brought up on Twitter, like beat, beat reporters cannot tweet about Dolphins practice anymore. And I wonder, like that has to be because they the, the NFL doesn't want beat reporters like tweeting, oh, we have Austin Jackson standing pretty close to to XYZ player, for example. You know, with that being said, we do have some pretty good additions on the OL. Do, do you want to dive into who we've added? Uh, sure. Can you name? I I can't name all of them off the top of my head. I know we got Austin Jackson, Eric, uh, free agency. We got Ted Karras, Eric Flowers. Yep. Uh, we added Hunt Robert Hunt and the kid out of Georgia, uh, Solomon Kinley. Yep. So I mean, five additions. So for for once, they actually addressed the O line. Well, once other than the one year we had a decent O line under Adam Gase. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, we're keeping Jesse Davis back into the fold. It, it'll be interesting to see how Michael Dieter ends up developing with some talent around him. I agree. I'm really curious to see if he, 
like with with the with the competition around him, is he gonna take that next step or is he gonna kind of fold under the pressure and kind of fall to the wayside and just be another another mid round bust for us? But I I think the good thing is they won't hold on to him just because they got him in the third round and he's kind of high. They'll they'll move yeah. on if he does that. I will say though, as a rookie on that O line, that's rough. That is gonna be tough. Yeah, especially like like last year. Dieter having to go through all that shit. It's pretty pretty tough. I wonder I wonder if like Flores took into account, hey, these young guys are kind of going through a bunch of shit right now. Let and like I wonder if he's like looking like, hey, even if Dieter didn't do great in in a for a normal offensive line, this guy might be might be a good contributor. But with that being said, the smart thing that we did, we as the Dolphins did is we still shored up the line regardless, right? We drafted Jackson. We drafted Hunt. We drafted Kinley, all within the first four rounds. We're clearly showing a trend that when we have glaring weaknesses, we're going to address them regardless of who's currently on our team. No, that's a great point. I think something else that plays into that is the fact that to quote, unquote, I believe it was Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, that the OC's offense was a explicitive show, according to one Dolphin, who went unnamed. He did an article, I believe it was a month or two ago about it, and it explains a lot about what was going on with that offense. Because one of the things yeah. is it seems like the only guy who essentially understood the offense was Fitzpatrick. But if you need – if you're in football and you need a 20-year veteran that graduated Harvard and he's the only person on the offense that can understand your offense, it might be a little too complicated for the general public. Yeah. And we're talking about Chad O'Shea from yes. the 2019-2020 season who was fired at the end of the year. And I think that was a shock to most Dolphins fans. But as you said, those reports leaked that his offense was pretty much tough as fuck to understand. It makes sense that we would, we would want to bring in who I am still skeptical about Chan Gailey as our current OC, because at least his offense might be a little bit easier for a young guy like Tua to understand. And as I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Chan Gailey, because I have talked about him a couple times on my pod I'm not the biggest fan of the signing. Don't get me wrong. If his offense is easy, I get that. But I think there are other guys in the NFL or people who you could like promote that still have easier offenses and aren't ancient. You know what I mean? I, I do. Let, let me roll back to O'Shea first, and then I'll go into that. One okay. thing to note is I think part of the reason why the – Nobody expected the firing was because they did win five games and the offense did seem to improve. Nothing got leaked about any of those other issues till after the fact, which is yeah. something the Dolphins have gotten really good at. But when I look back at it and watch the tape, keeping in mind that previously Chad O'Shea was a wide receivers coach and that's what he is now. The only position that really got better was the wide receivers. I mean, the O-line the O line was still horrible by the end of the year. The running game was abysmal. Completely. I mean, they could not run the ball to save their life. 
they kept putting in uh, Sir Two Yards, <laughs> Balage, Kalen yep. Balage. So when I really looked back on it, I was like, it's funny. Before that story broke, I was, I don't know if we actually ended up publishing that or if I was just talking to Savage. I was talking to Savage from uh, Seriously Sports, and now he's on Fanatic. That's my boy. I That's love my it. boy right there. He's, he's awesome. He's a trip. Great uh, guy. But I had mentioned the fact that maybe because we had kind of discussed how Gase isn't really a genius. You know, the only time he looked like a genius was with Peyton Manning. And most people can look like a genius when Peyton Manning's your quarterback. Yeah, that's true. And I'd kind of mentioned, well, you know, what if Fitzpatrick, maybe that was why O'Shea got let go is because Fitzpatrick kind of did the same thing. He just kind of took the reins and ran the offense and just kind of audibled as he went because nothing else was working. That's a great point. And I'm wondering if that didn't play into this. Kind of surprises me. I totally understand why they took Tua. I'm 100% behind the signing of Tua. But I was mm -hmm. really kind of shocked when they decided to go spread. And Rosen did that in college and was good at it. And you heard Chad O'Shea, you know, had this bad offense and all that stuff. But I think it's nice to see they were willing to move on. But to roll back, I'm thrilled with the Tua move. It was just kind of surprising that the offense was that bad, that bad called. And they're still moving on. But I, I think they want a guy that's got it. And Tua's got more it than anybody's got it. Yeah, definitely. And it's a completely different it than Darnold's gets, which is mono. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but now to move on to Chan Gailey, the one thing I'm looking at, and th this is what kind of threw me, is Ryan Flores had to coach against his defenses. And True. he wanted him. So that tells me there's a certain wrinkle or something about that that made him say, this is a guy that can, we, we can have in here that can cause problems. And I'm wondering that, – that, that's what kind of makes me feel okay with it. It is kind of weird that he came out of retirement after a couple of years. He's never really had an on-fire offense. And so, so those things were kind of weird. I still can't figure out why they announced it so quickly. Yeah. To me, okay, well, you had to get him with Rosen. Because you, you didn't need to get him with Fitz. Fitz has played under that offense, what, six, seven years? Whatever yeah, it is. He knows Bills, Jets. I mean, he, he's got it. Yeah. You know? So there really wasn't a reason there. But I, I guess there was something. Because, I mean, how much of the offense is still going to be there minus the wide receivers? You know, we're going to end up with – we got new running backs – starters yep. maybe one or two hangs out but that's gonna be about it o-line's completely replaced completely new, revamped the rookie qbs the qb of the future mm -hmm. i mean and i'm sure there's still some stuff to review with ride receivers but i would think as far as coaching an offense it's not exactly I, I i i don't know i'm not in the rooms but i would think there's not a hundred percent a whole lot of rock rocket science that you couldn't figure out later versus having a meeting for an hour before they go off for three months. So th that was kind of some weird stuff for me. In my opinion, it's probably because there, there honestly might have been another team or two who, who was looking at Chan Gailey and they, they wanted to poach him, you know, like come out of retirement, uh, Chan Gailey, like will gladly take you. Like I'm sure, dude, who knows? Maybe, maybe even the Browns 
where we're looking at him or like a random team like that. And Flores just needed to move on him quick and, and, and like announce and sign Gailey, you know? Yeah. That, that, that may very, very well be it. Cause it is kind of weird. Cause the understanding is when O'Shea got let go, Fitzpatrick was in the room with him and they were reviewing for next year. And then they called him away and let wow. him go. Yeah. That's pretty, uh, pretty tough. That would have to be awkward if you're, you know, the, the player, you know, and he comes back and you're like, oh. It's not going to be next year. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you're right in the middle of a conversation. He walks back in, you start talking. He already, you know, he's already, you know, went to the chopping block. He knows it's over. He starts emptying out. You know, how to, did he get there and just start emptying out his desk right in front of him? You know? Yeah. He's like, listen, Fitz, we're done, bruh. I'm out. Peace. It's just you and your beard now. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's pretty much what it was before. So. Yep. But, I mean, and, and Fitz, how, how much fun was he last year? Oh, I, it's, now listen, let me, let me say this. Looking at it on hindsight, it was amazing watching Fitz do what he did with that team and get, lead us to five wins. It's remarkable for the practice squad team we had up. But I just, I'm going to be completely honest. Week in and week out, when I was watching those games, after we got our first win, which I believe was against the Jets. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So we got our first win against the Jets. And that was in, let me just double check this. I just want to make sure. Yeah, that was in Miami. I was there for that game. It was on my birthday. We get our first win. I'm like, you know what? Okay, we got one win. We're not winless. Let's just lose every other game. And I don't know if you remember me during the season. I was team tank. I truly didn't give a shit. My first season as, as a Dolphins fan was a year we went 1-15 where Greg Camarillo caught the game-winning pass against the Ravens to give us the one win and avoid avoid um, winless, which is the worst possible thing to happen in any professional sport. So we got our first win. I'm like, listen, I'm done. No more wins. Let's secure Tua or Burrow. And that's that. And then we kept, we kept getting wins. Then we beat, you know, we beat the Colts. Who else we beat? We beat, we beat the Patriots at the end, which was honestly amazing. Um, yeah. We beat the Eagles and we beat the Bengals. And once we beat the Bengals, I'm like, shit, are we really going to fuck ourselves out of one of these two guys? And thankfully we didn't. We landed our guy. So now I could look back in hindsight on the season and say, you know what? Fitzpatrick balled the fuck out. He put the team on his back. He was trucking linebackers in the end zone, trucking dudes anytime he ran. And he, he just he just fucking just balled out, you know, for what he had to deal with. One thing that I, I know a lot of people – I just think it's funny is I think Fitzpatrick essentially has to sit the bench and they need to start Rosen to start the year. And here's my theory. Okay. Fitzmagic's beard only works from the bench. And if you don't believe me. The beard only works from the bench. Yes. If you don't believe me, go watch the Ravens game to start the season. Good point. Every time the expectations are there and he's the starter and there's no question about it, that's when he does one of those six interception games. 
Which, yeah, he, he tends to have those games where he just completely screws up. I mean, with that, he's still fun to watch, though, because you never know what's going to happen. And I couldn't have imagined a different QB. And if, if we're being 100% honest, his performances were really good, but we lowered the bar significantly for him last year. And Yeah, we did. We did. But overall, I think it was fun to watch. We'll always enjoy it. So now we got to move to next season. And the only thing I know for sure is I don't want Tua behind that O-line till it till they can run the ball 100 plus yards consistently and they can block for the QB consistently. Cuz the one thing Tua does need to work on that scares me is he hold he he tries to keep the play going. He does. A little too long. And you know, like Brady or hate him, the one thing he'll do is he'll throw that ball away. Mm-hmm. I mean, he may scream like a girl while he's doing it, but he'll he'll throw <laughs> it away. Yeah. I do agree there that Tua does tend to hold the ball a little too long, and that's where some of his injuries have occurred, whether it's the ankles or the hip injury. With that being said, that that is I, – I do think you have pretty good points. You know, let, let Rosen start the year. It's a good um, – like playing devil's advocate, you know? If Rosen does start the year over Fitzpatrick, for example, can we increase his trade value and potentially trade him to a team that needs a backup QB or needs a guy who might become a potential starter in the future? But then on the flip side, you look at how the team rallied around Fitzpatrick. Would it be a big fuck you to the team if we start Rosen over Fitzpatrick just for the reason of trying to increase his trade value? or like just seeing what he has over Fitzpatrick, where he might be the better starter who could actually guarantee us wins, you know? Yeah, it's a catch-22. I just – Fitzpatrick is the known starter scares me. I mean, with that yeah, said – I totally get that. Obviously, the offense was complete crap at that point. You remember they would have the script they'd run for the first, like, half. And you'd be like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. And then the second half, the wheels would just come off. Yeah, for, for like the first four or five games. I told everybody they are not – and I stuck with the fact I didn't think they were tanking. But I'm not going to okay. lie. Weeks one and two, I thought they were tanking. I, I was those like, were I, pretty bad. Yeah, when I watched those blasts, I was like, dear – you know, I, I stayed with a believer, but it the, the thoughts started creeping to the back of your mind like, this is horrible. And the only thing worse than when it happened is, as you know, Game Pass, I think, still free till the end of this month if you go back and watch the game again, don't ever do that. I'm going to be honest. I don't want to relive it. <laughs> I was sitting at a bar watching the Dolphins Ravens game week one. And I think, I think we're losing by like 30 something at this point. And I'm just sitting here. I'm like, yeah, um, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be watching a Dolphins game at a bar for the rest of the year. And I didn't, I just watched every game from home. I, I found a, I found an illegal stream or something. And I just I just watch the games like that because I'm not gonna sit in public wearing my wearing my Dolphins jersey and my Dolphins hat with pride and get berated because other people don't understand that we're in a rebuilding year or a tanking year, whatever term you like you prefer to use. That's just something I wasn't able to do. So I just hold up, chilled at home, watch the rest of the season and like let it unfold. Yep, and we need football this year. The Dolphins Nation needs football more than any other fan base, I think. Yeah, we do. 
it had to be done, but they ripped the walls to the studs on that roster. And then I, and I understand why they traded who they traded. And you see the deal Tunzel ended up getting, which rightfully he's a, he's a good left tackle, but it was rough to watch, but at least we've got a few, we've got a good present and an even brighter future. And I guess I'll leave it at that. Any last words you want to throw out to the audience? I think, I think that's about it. I just want to say it was great talking to you and just, it was, it's been awesome to talk about Dolphins football again in midst of all the chaos that's been going on. All right. So fins up.